The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we uncover the remnants of history every day. The day was March 18th, 1990. In the wee hours of the morning, at around midnight, a car rolled up to the side entrance of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts. Two men disguised as police officers pushed the museum buzzer, said they had received a call for a disturbance, and asked to be let in. The guard agreed to let them in the employee entrance and stepped away from his post. The men then handcuffed that security guard and a second one and tied them up in the museum's basement. And by the time they left the museum, the thieves had stolen 13 insanely expensive works of art and a bronze eagle finial. It was the most valuable recorded art theft ever. Here's how they got away with such a massive heist. That morning, Bostonians were still out after partying on St. Patrick's Day. But when one of the men pushed the buzzer at 1.24 a.m. and said they were policemen, a museum guard named Richard Abbott saw their uniforms and decided to let them in, against protocol. They pretended to arrest Abbott, cuffing him. And when another security guard showed up to the scene, they cuffed him too. At that point, the impersonators admitted that it was no arrest, but a robbery. 
The thieves took the guards to the basement of the museum, then handcuffed them to pipes and duct taped their heads, hands, and feet. Because those two guards were the only people on watch at the museum, it basically became a free-for-all. Well, at least after they disarmed the video cameras in the building. As Isabella Stewart Gardner's collection contained thousands of paintings, rare books, sculptures, textiles, and other costly and precious pieces of art, the thieves had hit the jackpot. The thieves went up to the Dutch room on the second floor, where they removed a 1629 self-portrait of Dutch painter Rembrandt's off the wall. But in a comedic turn, they couldn't get the wooden panel out of his heavy frame, so they left it unceremoniously on the floor. However, that didn't stop them from going to town on other masterpieces. They cut Rembrandt's Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee out of its frame and did the same with Rembrandt's double portrait called A Lady and Gentleman in Black. They also took The Concert, an oil painting by Vermeer. They also plucked a bronze Chinese beaker called a goo from a table in the Dutch room, along with a couple of other items, and dipped off to a room called the Short Gallery on the same floor. In that gallery, they stole off with five God drawings, and oddly enough, a bronze eagle finial that was on top of a Napoleonic flag they failed to make away with. Then they moved on to the blue room on the ground floor, where they took Che Tortoni, an oil portrait by French Impressionist Manet. After making two trips to their car with the art, the thieves escaped at 2.45 in the morning, just an hour and 21 minutes after they began their heist. Museum directors, private investigators, and the FBI have looked into the theft. Suspects were ruled out, including the guards and a museum director who died in 1992. In fact, the FBI said agents knew who the thieves were in 2013, but couldn't release their names, and they were dead anyway. Tons of people have claimed they've seen the paintings, but none of the artworks have been recovered. Unfortunately, most stolen artwork is not returned. The statute of limitations on the theft expired in 1995, so the thieves couldn't be charged anyway. Considering how the thieves treated the artwork amateurishly when they stole them from the museum, there is a good chance the works met a devastating fate. But many people are holding out hope that they'll make their way back to the collection. The works that were stolen are valued at about $500 million total. Today, there are empty frames where they used to hang, and the museum is offering $10 million to anyone who can point them to all 13 artworks in good condition. I'm Eves Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. As a little bonus information about this heist, federal investigators have thought that mafia members were involved in the museum theft, and rumors have floated around that the Irish Republican Army had something to do with it. The late crime boss, Whitey Bulger, has even been a target of suspicion regarding this theft, but the museum denies this theory. Look, I know it's really hard to give up a Vermeer that's worth millions of dollars, but if you have any information about any of the items that were stolen this day, or if you have just any other cool facts about the museum heist, then feel free to let us know on Facebook, 
Instagram, or Twitter at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you again tomorrow with more tidbits from history. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago street course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we build the time machine, and all you have to do is hop in. The day was March 18, 1965. Soviet cosmonaut Alexei Leonov became the first person to go on a spacewalk. A spacewalk is when an astronaut leaves their spacecraft attached to a tether, It's also called an EVA, which stands for Extravehicular Activity. Alexei Leonov served as a fighter pilot in the 1950s. By 1960, he had been chosen as one of the first 20 cosmonauts for the Soviet space program and was training to take his first space flight. The Soviet Union launched the first person into space when Yuri Gagarin made an orbital flight in his Vostok 1 spacecraft in 1961. The Soviet Voskhod program launched its first mission on October 12, 1964. Voskhod 1 was the first to carry more than one crew person into space. It was also the first mission to carry an engineer and a physician into space. Voskhod 2 launched just months later on March 18, 1965. It carried two people, Commander Pavel Bilyayev and pilot Alexei Leonov. It was Leonov's first spaceflight and Bilyayev's first and only spaceflight. 
The Voshod 3KD spacecraft had an extendable airlock that allowed Leonov to go out into space without having to evacuate the main cabin air. About an hour and a half after launch, Bilyayev opened the outer airlock, and Leonov walked out into space attached to a tether. His spacewalk lasted for about 12 minutes. A camera mounted on the airlock recorded the spacewalk. It was reported that Leonov's body temperature jumped about 3.2 degrees Fahrenheit or 1.8 degrees Celsius in 20 minutes, and he was close to having a heat stroke. His spacesuit was full of sweat. Though the spacewalk went relatively smoothly, Leonov had difficulty re-entering the capsule. The pressure difference between the air in his spacesuit and the vacuum of space expanded and stiffened his spacesuit. That made it too big and hard to fit back into the airlock. So Leonov opened a valve to release oxygen and depressurize his suit. He was then able to fit back into the spacecraft, but he did start to feel some of the effects of decompression sickness, namely the sensation of pins and needles. The crew hit another snag when ejecting the inflatable airlock, which sent the spacecraft into a spin. Oxygen levels also began to climb, which came with the risk of explosion. On top of this, the automatic guidance system for re-entry malfunctioned. They had to turn off the automatic landing program and instead conduct re-entry and landing manually. They ended up off course, and the orbital module did not separate from the landing module. They landed in snow in a forest in Siberia. The flight had lasted for 26 hours. After two days in the freezing forest, the cosmonauts were able to ski to a pickup location, and they eventually made it to their launch site at Baikonur. Nearly three months after Leonov's spacewalk, U.S. astronaut Ed White took the second spacewalk ever when he stepped outside of Gemini 4. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you know you already spend too much time on social media, spend some of that time with us at TDIHC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if you are so inclined, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you same place tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network work.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.